Hello, and welcome to Dig It. I'm Peter Brown, and hosting the show with me today is Chris Day. Hi, Chris. Hi, Peter. Well, October in the garden. Where is the year going to, Peter? Who knows? Yeah. Maybe it's being washed away by the floods and the... <sighs> it's been a bit damp, hasn't it? of rain we're having. Yes, yeah. I mean, this autumn has, uh, has certainly been wet and damp. Although we've had some nice days when the sun mm. has finally come out and... A couple of weeks ago, yeah. glorious... Mm-hmm. Sunshine sitting out in the yep. garden in the evening with just a t-shirt on, and now, now, yes, I think autumn's yeah. finally arrived. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the Michaelmas daisies are looking nice. Me, uh, me dailies are looking really good. Fingers crossed, we don't get any frost through the course of October. But uh, I was yeah. going to say, do, do they normally flower this late? Mm. Or yes, they flower. They flower. They a, really are a late flower. Yeah, they tend to flower a little bit like when we were chatting to Jonathan about his cosmos and the fact yep. that they flower on a shorter day. Dahlias tend to come into their own during the summer, but tend to come to their best during September and October. Hence, oh. Yeah, so... Yeah, I'm just thinking, just to name drop again, mm. obviously uh, Adrian was saying about perennials mm. and the fact that Foggy Bottom mm. still looks great at the moment. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, I was thinking, well, yeah, I guess Dahlia's is sort yeah. of another one that's a, just a lovely flower, isn't that's it? That's right. Oh, they are. They're so good, so diverse. And, but you think like, you know, your Japanese anemones and obviously your asters, your Michaelmas daisies, yep. they, it's their season, it's their time. So enjoy them. There's still look good pops of colour to be enjoyed uh, in the garden, that's for sure. Brilliant. Okay, then, so mm. what we got going on at the moment? Uh, any good gardens to go and visit? Or Well, well pl- uh, I, I just ne- said one, didn't I? You did. Foggy, you get, foggy <laughs> Bottom <laughs> over yes. in Dis. It, it, well, it's not Dis, is it? It's, I said um, Dis. Dis it is Dis. Dis. It's Norfolk. It's Norfolk, yeah. Just uh, the other side of Cambridge from just, where we are. Indeed, yes, yeah, just a hop and skip. It's, it's a bit of a drive, but it's a well worth a visit, certainly, yeah. Um, but yeah, as we're into October, and as we as we're recording the podcast, obviously uh, latter part of September, obviously our Apple Weekend is up and running. And mm. uh, uh, it's, it's, well, uh, I read in the news today uh, the fact that Heineken are cancelling loads and loads of um, Apple orders. Indeed, apparently. <laughs> Fruit ciders, not apple fruit, mm-hmm. but sort of these more exotic fruits are the way forwards. And Heineken, being mm. the biggest mm. cider producer of the world, world. I yeah. mean, it owns Strongbow and Bulmers, which yep. I hadn't realised. Nope. Um, no, but no. yeah, they're causing havoc over yeah. in Hertfordshire because there's just a massive yeah. dearth of apples well, left oh, over. Oh gosh, that's not good news. So uh, maybe maybe more Bramley apple pies then. Mm. High fillings. That might well, be the next or, thing. Yeah, uh, and oh. Dabinet because that, that that's one that I think you can eat. Can't you? you can't. Yeah, it's a, a, a crossover, it's a, isn't it? It's yeah, a cider there, there's apple. a few cider apples that are yeah. a little bit on the sour, and mm. sort of <laughs> not yeah, quite not sure. Nice. A bit, of, a bit so, of a bit of a culinary magic. You might be able to bring a bit of taste. Into maybe it. enough sugar in that. Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah. So sorry. It's okay. No, and and carrying on. The theme of, of of orchards. It's their open day over at uh, Water Perry Gardens uh, on okay. Sunday the eighth of October. So a week after our uh, our Apple Weekend here. Uh, take a tour of the orchards and the, the fruit shed and learn the history of Waterperry orchards and, and their traditional apple juice and cider making. So that will be a good visit if you're mm. in that part of uh, Oxfordshire. Um, Thursday the 12th of October, our, uh, our charity of the year, uh, Garden Organics, they've got a, a, a Wrighton uh, demonstration garden tour. So okay. uh, pop along there. It's only an hour and a quarter over at uh, over in Coventry. So nice to have a look around and see exactly what they're doing uh, over the over in that part of, uh, of of the world. And obviously featuring all the all the techniques which Garden Organics is is well famous for. And then 
finally, uh, Tuesday the 17th of October, an opportunity to go round Horatio's garden at Stoke Mandeville Hospital. Okay, so that's not far away either, no, is it? No, it's um, quite... Horatio's mm. Garden's there. Mm. Now, they're, they're all designed by sort of famous mm. architects and you know, garden designers, that's aren't they? That's right, and this one, Peter, is, is designed by somebody who we, we often see on Gardeners World, that's uh, Joe Swift. Oh, right, yeah, now, okay. Joe Swift, is his late father, of course, was, was Richard, or well, the character Richard, of course, in keeping up appearances with Hyacinth Bouquet, or... I never realised that. Yes, yes. Wow. So um, there's a bit of extra <laughs> information perhaps we don't need for the Brilliant. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, obviously uh, Joe is RHS gold medal winner. Um, uh, yeah, so he's, he's well versed. So, yeah, you get a, it's a private tour, so it's tickets only. We'll put the, uh, the link on the, the show notes. Mm. Uh, but it would be very interesting to, to look around. It's a, an hour and a half tour on um, Tuesday the 17th of October in the, in the morning. Okay. So, but yeah, as far as um, garden shows, we're in the quiet season now. And yeah, uh, yeah, I guess it's coming to yeah, a close so, so, now. Yeah, isn't indeed. It? Yeah, awesome yeah, draws indeed. in. Indeed, yes. But I'm sure you know a, a national garden scheme. Obviously, check out your local area for uh, some nice uh, autumn gardens and obviously autumn colour. Uh, plenty of those to be to be had. I think that's it, isn't mm. it? The, the trees, the woodlands. I always think in, in this time of the year are the best oh, places to, to go. And most definitely, it brings the child out in me. It, well, kiss, right. Kicking leaves. Are oh, it's <laughs> lovely, isn't it? And a lot of these places are free to visit as well. Yeah, which is which is good. Yeah. Okay, um, and so shall we kick into our dig it top five for, mm, for this month? Yes. Well, yes, so yes. this this month we're doing. Um, well, I guess uh, hedging plants is yes. a new one we've not sort of mm. gone into before. But just to let you know, see the garden centre here, quite a few mail order plants. Just uh, a few over the years. <laughs> yes, we, I mean, we've got a great selection. Mm. So if you're looking to plant a decent sort of native hedge or something a little bit more exotic, give mm. us a shout because the bare roots uh, plants are obviously so much cheaper than Indeed. buying yeah. them yeah. as pot grown. Yeah. And what was. Our fifth bestseller so last year. Last then, year, Chris. well, it was Green Privet, which surprised me a bit because I thought Privet had gone out of fashion, but obviously not. It's good. It's a it's good, a, solid yeah. little hedge, isn't it? Is. it? I yeah. mean, if you trim yeah. it regularly, you can oh. make a really mm. thick, yes, good sort of screen. Yeah. Indeed, it, it's 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 resilient. And then number four, Virginia uh, Red Robin. No surprises. There. No beautiful no. coloured leaves. Yes, nice and thick. Yeah. Someone told me. Mm. They, the reason they love Fatinia right. is because it's got its own weed suppressant. As oh. The leaves drop off it. Obviously, they mm-hmm. then go underneath the shrubs and or hedge or whatever it is yes. you're growing it, it as. Yeah. And if you leave them there, works as a natural yes. weed suppressant. It's brilliant. That's good. And, and that's interesting, isn't it? Because we always tend to think of evergreens as plants which hold the leaves all the time, which mm. they do, but they do shed some leaves at certain times of the year. Ever look under a holly bush, a holly hedge? There's usually yeah, yeah. lots of them, and the, yeah. So yes, self mulching. Well, that's hedges. it. Self mulching yeah. hedge. Well, there you go. It, it's, uh, it says it really on the tin. And number three, we've got green beech. Um, again, probably no major surprise. Um, as we know, beech beech needs a little bit more TLC to get it going because of clay soils, but. It's always worth the effort, definitely. Mm. Yeah, I always think it makes a beautiful tree as well. Fantastic, yeah. Such a multi-purpose sort of plant and... Mm. Oh yeah, very versatile, and, and of course can be can be pleached as well if you want to do something a little bit different in your yeah. in your garden too. Good point. And uh, number two, hornbeam, 
okay. which, of course, is very similar to Beach in so many ways. But if you've got Clay Saul, Claggy, Buckinghamshire Clay, like we have around here, then it's the, the one to go for. But it, uh, yeah, and it holds its leaves reasonably well into the winter. But usually <laughs> with the autumn, late or early winter gales, they've gone by uh, probably December. Yep. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good, good doer. And that uh, number one, I suppose, no surprise in view of the fact that native species is very much in the public's mind is uh, obviously quickthorn, Cryptagus. Mm. or the May, as the it's May. also known. Indeed, yeah, all, um, yeah, all the, the yeah, hawthorn May. I mean, it's got so many common names, isn't it? It's, yeah, yeah, it's uh, well, it's such a great little mm. hedging plant. I mean, mm. it's so cheap. Yes, they're thorny, so they're good for like burglar deterrent or yep. Privacy and security, yes. That, yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. And you get fruits on them. That, yes. Now, I, am I right in saying, can you eat the berries? I, I think it's really for the birds, isn't it, for those? I, I've never tried... Yes, I'm not too sure on those, but I think certainly the birds... Certainly so the birds. They them. enjoy them, yeah. the blackbirds yeah, 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 on yeah. them and the, eating yeah. them away. Yeah, and it has a little bit of nice autumn colour as well. So mm. One in on my garden has a it goes a nice yellowy colour before it... The leaves drop, you know, the next day, but they do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just a, just yeah. a very quick yeah. autumn colour. Exactly, yeah. plants. But, but like you say, another one that makes a, mm. I always think, a really interesting tree when you see them sort mm. of alone on in a windy site and they're all gnarly yeah. and sort of a Fantastic. bit... Fantastic, yeah. yeah. Very architectural, aren't they? Yeah, And of course, all the name varieties of Critagus, of, of, of the, the quick thorn ilk ornamental trees, are always very, very popular. So mm. they, share, they share all the same traits. They flower, they fruit, they have a bit of autumn colour. Um, and that's what you want, especially for a smaller garden. So, uh, yeah, that's the Dig It uh, top five, top five. For, 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 for October. <laughs> planning it, planning ahead. And just a quick reminder that, uh, yeah, new catalogue, obviously, will be coming out to those customers who subscribe to it. And if you would like a copy, obviously contact the Garden Centre and we'll get one sent out to you. Yeah, and David's, my brother's been working very hard on the website. Mm. I know last year they put up a whole new, new yeah. themed website. Yes, and new look. Um, the, yes. pa- the payment system's all changed and it's all, yes, it all singing, all dancing now. So it's hopefully nice to use. Yes. makes um, uh, us a little bit more advanced in the, yeah. the, the internet world of sure. mail order now. Indeed. So that would be good if you're looking for a mm. plant on the internet. Sure. Have a look at our hedging.co.uk that's it and um, on to the news Peter and um, I I was on holiday for for a couple of weeks and one news story which broke whilst I was away was quite sad I was quite saddened by and that's the the closure of a a magazine uh, which I used to work on which a lot of our listeners will be aware of and that's Amateur Gardening Mm. magazine I read the article yeah yeah. Yeah. I hadn't realised 139 years yes that's an incredibly yeah, it long is long sort of length of time for the uh, publication to last. Yes, it? indeed. Um, I mean, it's if you think you know when it came out, it was their circulation was nearly a quarter of a million copies a week. Wow. Yes. Um, I mean, then going back in time to how publishing has changed, it was all in black and white. There was no colour. I mean, colour only happened in the mid-1970s, okay. would you believe? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I only know this because, obviously, I worked on the magazine for four and a half years, and I used to go and look through the archives at, at some material for, for writing articles. And you, you went back in time, and it was like going to museum documentation of a magazine, which obviously wasn't a magazine then. It was more of a, a portfolio of, of advice and information. But, um, 
Yeah, certain news. I, I do, you know, feel sorry for the, the, the you know, the um, the readers because they've got a really good readership. Um, and they've, I mean, obviously numbers have declined, but when paper costs like last year increased by 20%, that's putting a lot of pressure on a lot of magazines out there. So, well, I think uh, it's, mm. it, it's also the, the number of different people who've been mm. part of it. I mean, mm. you think the gardening community is yes. it's not an enormous great society, no. but the likes of Alan Ch- Titchmarsh, oh, yeah, uh, was, yeah. I mean, you think all of the yeah. Percy Thrower, yeah. I mean, they, they've mm. all had something mm. to do with it. Mm. Yeah, more, more recently, if you look through the magazine, you've got people like Toby Buckland, uh, obviously, yeah. uh, he writes, you got it's the back page of the magazine, and uh, and uh, obviously, uh, we were talking to Steve Bradley um, earlier, mm. yeah, and he obviously did the, he the consumers as well. well. Yeah. yeah, so yes, for, for, for journalists and for garden writers, it's, it's just another avenue of, of of uh, writing which has now disappeared um, for them. I'm quite surprised it didn't sort of go into a digital format and carry on just as a digital format. Well, that's interesting, Peter, because I I subscribe to um, a thing called Readily, which is obviously an app-based where you can maybe for seven or eight pounds a month, you can basically um, subscribe to all these magazines and Amateur Gardening is on there. Okay, so, so it was working it as was a digital worth, one. Yeah, but and I, yeah, I used to enjoy reading as a, you know, re-garden news in the same way. But do I want to go out to a news agent and pay my £2.50 and get a free packet of seeds? I'm missing out on the seeds, but I can still get the content. Yes, hmm. it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting time for for magazines over the next few years. But things are a changing. That's that's for sure, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing is, I mean, obviously, <laughs> our podcast is mm. part of the yeah, new wave of um, sort of Access. media outlets. And yeah. free, I mean, it's free. It's free. fundamentally, yeah, which is great if you're an end user because you get to mm-hmm. learn, hopefully, <laughs> something useful <laughs> something from good. us. And Indeed. ultimately, yeah, we put it up. It costs us to put it up there. Mm-hmm. We're not getting any subscriptions for any, from anyone or sponsorship from any companies, no, which no. obviously a lot of places do, mm-hmm. and that's how they end up paying for them. But yes, yeah, yeah it's yeah. like a lot of things. Things change. They do they? indeed. But uh, yeah, a sad day for horticulture. And the last issue goes out in, in October, and it'll be interesting to see that it, that what the last issue looks like. Actually, I suspect it will be a real celebration of those 139 years. Mm. Uh, a little bit brighter news, uh, Interflora, um, oh, well yeah. known, uh, they they brought out a, a new display. Uh, they've created a bouquet. So, right. so think of not uh, a bouquet, but a bouquet. Yes, <laughs> which it, it's the, apparently it's the first of its kind. But it basically, it's it's helping the uh, obviously the UK pollinators. It's backed by the or it's to help the the bumblebee conservation group, which is right. a great obviously great charity. And um, it's getting its sort of uh, showcase, which is sort of ha- happened or has happened, but it's going to be available to, to for customers own to purchase. But it basically contains things like sunflowers, uh, sedums, agapanthus, dahlias, achilleas, and lavenders, things you might want to grow in your garden. But I think it's a really good way of educating, you know, people who receive flowers to understand that these flowers they have received are actually going to be very useful for encouraging pollinators. Uh, and a better understanding of, of bees and uh, hoverflies which might come into their garden. Yeah, and, uh, well, I, I think that's it, isn't yeah. it? At the end of the day, a lot of flowers are grown in greenhouses mm-hmm. in the likes of the Netherlands. and Indeed. They're just grown for a, a flower crop. They're mm. not 
really a wildflower anymore. They're just yeah, no, a, a product for the flower Fruit industry. Tree. Yes. Whereas this is obviously highlighting the fact that yeah, mm. it's actually yes, this mix is beneficial to the bumblebees and, and yeah, and I suspect a lot of other um, uh, flower sellers uh, online ones will follow suit actually because I think it's a good strong message, isn't it, to mm. to put across there. But uh, yeah, well done, Twitter Flora for actually highlighting it and giving it a go as well. Definitely. Mm. Um. So now, there's an article here, yeah, from Raymond Blanc about um, partnership with Garden Organic. Yes, and I'm just intrigued by there's an image of a squash secret. Mm. Now we had some seeds from Garden Organic this year at the Garden Centre that did. we grew, didn't we? We did. Yes, and I'm not entirely sure, but there was a. A vegetable that looks incredibly similar to this squash, right? That appeared in our sort of in the area where we grow the, yeah. the vegetables, and no one seemed to take responsibility as to where it had <laughs> come, come from. from. Oh, At one point, I was being blamed because I'd donated some <laughs> um, oh dear. eight ball courgettes, and mm-hmm. it might have been from one of those. But I, I, I tried it. Mm. And it was amazing. Honestly, really? oh, I have that's... never had a nicer. Oh, right. Sort of, I'm going to say vegetable because Joe and I cooked it, and we're like, mm. "Well, I don't know what it is, whether it's a squash or a courgette." Mm-hmm. I ate some raw, yeah, and it tasted to me a bit like a courgette. But I mean, squashes, courgettes, pumpkins, mm. gourds—they're all yeah, they're a similar, ill, can't they? They're yeah. all very similar. similar. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I'll mm. have to do some more research yeah. and find out what the difference is between them all. Yeah. But, yeah. Mm. Yeah. The ones that, that we've grown here, if it is the same, I would thoroughly yeah, recommend it. I, right. I, I saved the seed. Oh, good. Right. Now, as I've since learnt, having started doing this show, yeah. it's probably cross-pollinated with, with another something else. Yes. yes. So, However, I'm hopeful, I'm mm. really hopeful that it hasn't, and yeah. I've got a pure... Um, a purebred uh, yes. pure one, yeah. and then I'll be able to share it with you all again next year. But yeah, honestly, that's, that's really good to hear. No, that's, that's good. In, uh, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's so interesting that uh, Raymond Blanc also agrees that yes, yes. <laughs> it's a good and, variety. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously heading this up, but he is actually um, part of. He's, he's, he's. I'm just looking here. He's actually. Um, is he? Yeah, he's the president of the Garden Organics. Association, so that's. I mean, it's good okay. to have him as a figurehead, isn't it? As well, so. Well, it, I mean, Catra uh, Maison's. Can yep. I say? I think that's how you pronounce mm-hmm. it. That's his, um, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. restaurant down in Oxfordshire way, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I know they grow mm. a massive amount of yeah. of their own produce mm. for the restaurant, and you think, well, yeah, which obviously Raymond does as well over at uh, uh, over his place over in Oxfordshire. Um, I mean, it's good that he's really bringing you know bringing it to light and giving obviously the Garden Organics the uh, the seed heritage a, a bit more ex- publicity because we know it's good. We did actually over the last few days, Peter uh, harvest a lot of the, the peas and beans okay. um, which they're now drying they're going to come into into the office and we're going to dry them out and hopefully get enough seeds to, to send back to uh, Garden Organics for their uh, for, for their future um, usage yes mm. yeah because there was a bit of a con- uh, sort of controversy as to whether they might have been cos- cross-pollinated by some of the other yes. varieties but yeah. I've been told that no they didn't come into flower until a lot later so. because, because the first batch of plants was very badly hit by slugs <laughs> And uh, snails and oh my word, yes, it was a uh, it was a bit carnage, um, yeah, yeah. 
But it's been a good, I mean, it's an interesting mm. year for growing vegetables this year, mm. isn't it? Yeah. Uh, my sweet corn did amazingly, mm-hmm. which for the last three or four years they haven't. Yep. Um, blackberries, oh my word. Good my, my blackberry crop this year was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It just mm-hmm. seemed to never stop. Cherries did okay. Mm-hmm. But other than some of my other vegetables, just like runner beans, I no. I haven't even had a crop off them. Really? And okay, that's yeah. Well, that's but you you did well with your runner beans. Runner beans were good. So. Uh, French beans were a bit short. The season was quite short. Weather the hot weather in June hit them, and they didn't didn't really recover with the amount of moisture and rain we had in July and August. Um, carrots have been good. Um, we've just finished actually harvesting the carrots. Beetroots are, are okay, but they're a lot smaller than they normally are. So mm-hmm. that's probably down My to the weather. Potatoes did really well, yes. but. Flavour, not so good. No. But I don't know whether, like, ratty, which I grew this mm-hmm. year, yeah. which I'd grown purely because of the mm-hmm. flavour of them, mm. um, well, they seem to grow an awful lot bigger than okay. they did the last time I grew them. Interesting. But yes. just a bit more sort of waxy and not as yeah. much flavour. So, yes, yeah, so yeah, we've yeah. had a few uh, a few home guard um, potatoes. They've been okay. It's certainly probably a little bit better than last year. Tomatoes, we're well into the tomato season, much better than last year, mm. um, which is interesting. And we grew lots of, we've I think, six different varieties this year, one of each. Okay. Um, and they've, they've all done really well. Tigerella we tried for the first time. That's been quite fun. And the flavour on that is apparently very good. I'm not a tomato eater, so I can't vouch, but I like growing okay. them. Yeah. But I'm not, I don't You don't like eating them. them. Fair no, enough. No. But I think that's yeah. half of the fun of it, isn't it? Is, it is, yeah. It's sort of getting yeah. something yeah. to... Yeah. Especially red tomatoes. Mm. They always look good, don't they? Oh, they certainly on the truss. I don't think if you get a whole truss of them before you've you've uh, you've t- you've taken them to the to the bowl. Yeah. Yeah. And the RHS plans indoor flower show after the mm. gardening bloom in cities. Well, yeah. Who'd have thought it? Um, yeah. Interesting. I mean, Chelsea been doing it now for a couple of years, haven't they? Yeah, they've, had, they've had their flowers. Yeah. I mean, this is this is quite a departure for them. Though this is basically taking the you know, the flower show putting it indoors, giving it the RHS treatment, um, obviously from the same organisers of the Chelsea Flower Show. So, interesting. And it's going to be actually staged in an abandoned railway station at Depot Mayfield. Uh, that's obviously okay. in Manchester. So, an interesting ah. venue too. Mm. So, um, yeah, we get to see that's, that's uh, it's April, I think. Yeah, April is the is the date. Um it's, it had quite a lot of publicity uh, in the newspapers as well. Well, hence that's why I, I picked this up, up. I think from the from the Guardian uh, newspaper, and obviously a lot of the the gardening magazines have as well. But they're feeling that with over eighty percent of the UK population living in towns and cities, this new show will encourage more urban dwellers to garden, which I think is a good, good, solid thing. And I suppose for the RHS. Potentially new members too. People have been cynical about it, but you know it's about that, isn't it? It's keeping the the membership buoyant, and um, as we know, you know people with small spaces, i.e., people with growing house plants, you know, just become as, uh, in, in you know, they become so in, involved and uh, yeah, <laughs> with well, their plants. I think it's it's yeah. a bit like outside gardening. Yeah. You, you can take pride. If you mm. can actually grow a house plant, I always think. Yeah, and it, indeed. They're, they're not that hard. It, it's no. just finding the right place for them. Indeed. Thinking about that where, before you put yes. a, a house plant in, in the yeah. place where you want it to grow. Most definitely. And 
just remembering to water it every now and again that and does help it does <laughs> yeah and some plants are a bit more resilient to, to others as, as we know yes and, yeah. uh, and then yeah. like you say the, and it does it just softens the mm. sort of I always think the room well yeah indeed so that'd be something to look forward to in April and obviously a, a, a completely different departure for the RHS so they're obviously looking at, at ways of expanding their uh, their portfolio of, of interest and hopefully hook people in um, into into becoming uh, you know indoor or, or more urban gardeners. Mm. And there's also another article um, digging deeper. Mm. House plants are set to turn a deeper shade of green. What's mm. this all about, then, Chris? Yeah, well, this was in Gardener's World magazine, and it's uh, it's looking at how yeah we are looking at we're looking at everything, aren't we, at the moment about sustainability. Um, you know, from the pots we use to the compost. And they're saying that obviously a lot of indoor plants are obviously being imported now. We know a high percentage are. They're being imported, uh, which obviously is carbon miles. And then you've got issues with compost, which obviously in Europe at the moment, there's no... There's no yeah, feeling about space. Yeah, the, yeah, that's it. So that's it. That's one. Thing. And of course, we are spending a whopping fifty million pounds, according to the HTA, our uh, trade body, on on house plants. So this is sort of big money, I suppose. Fifty. Uh, I think it's more like five hundred. Oh, so five hundred million. Oh, mm. my work. It's even <laughs> even better. Um, Half so, a billion in some people's eyes. That's a lot of money, isn't it? That's a lot of house plants. Um, that's a lot of mother-in-law's tongues, isn't it? That's for sure. Um, so there's just different ways this article is sort of saying how we, we can do this. And the, one, of the, one of the main things I saw, which was um, uh, there's a company called Double H House Plants, which are well known in the gardening trade. They produce a lot of plants for a lot of the supermarkets and some of the garden centre tra- trade. They are actually created a, an offshoot um, company called The Haughty House. Okay. And the idea is they're going to bring in plants, plug plants from Holland and Belgium, yep. uh, and then grow them onto maturity in peat-free compost. So they will okay. arrive, so they'll arrive in peat. Yep. But if you think about it, it's going to be comparative like a speck. Well, a plug, a plug plant. I mean, they're only going to be what yeah. hundred mil of peat. That's it. Very very it, small. It, it's yeah. not yeah. a large. No. And a, to no. And most of that will probably be full of roots anyway, because these Hopefully, will be. Yeah, yeah. yeah one hopes so. Um, so I think that's a good. You know, that's a good sort of system, and they want to sort of in, in, implement that, um, mm. which obviously will then feed through to to, to garden centres and and DI. So it would be nice to see. You know once that starts to happen that that is put on the pots or on the label so that you know you're buying something which is very sustainable and i'm sure people will then be a bit more prompted well, to like buy you that say, it'll yeah. have less fuel miles or mm. carbon footprint mm. from the, mm. that and yep. fundamentally if we can grow it peat free as well that'll be yeah. better for the environment most definitely yes yeah, really so um and then there's a, another example of a small uh, scale grower Harriet Thompson. She's over in down in Cornwall. She's gone one step further. She's going to raise all her house plants from cuttings and seed, so they start peat free from the start. Mm. So that's again, that's quite a radical approach, and um, yeah, um, it's just a different way of, of looking at uh, the whole process. Um, but the article, yeah, I mean, it, it does go into quite a lot of detail. But uh, it was nice to see that our uh, previous guest of, of uh, Digit, uh, Tony LeBritton, is quoted, and obviously a good old plant influencer and mm. he was saying that you know one of the best ways of, of being sustainable is obviously to take lots of cuttings and that is you know i can't disagree with that advice if you can get uh, cuttings from, from and it's such fun as it well is. isn't it, it, is. it? If it actually on, grows yeah, i yeah. mean i can remember 
in my youth taking cuttings and most things dying but every now and again you get it right you get and it you right. put them yeah. in the right the conditions yeah. and mm. then suddenly you've got well, a few yeah yeah yeah. So, yeah no it's, it's all it's all about and, it, and sometimes it's our first tentative steps into gardening isn't it you know it's, mm. it, yeah, it's the first experience of of growing yeah something either that, that or sort of growing seeds and i know yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, when I was on holiday this year in Mallorca, there was a, a beach uh, a beach shop with one of these spinners selling mm. all sorts of different tropical plant seeds, and okay. I thought mm, they're okay. really lovely. I mean, bird of paradise, mm. things Little like that. Yeah. The, yeah. Mm-hmm. They they look lo- lovely on the packets, but are they actually going to be easy to germinate and grow? It's going to be a tricky one. Mm. I yeah. think that's quite often the thing, isn't it, with house plants? Is that you've really got to be a bit of a specialist but then equally other things like spider plants yeah coleus maybe you know yeah. from seed very very easy to grow very re- yeah if you do it at the right time of the year as well that's the that's it mm. then sculptured gardens scoops top accolade yeah so this is a, an art um, venue down in um, it's, it's just close to it's in um, well down in dorchester uh, good old uh, uh, Dorset, and it's um, seen some quite incredible changes. It's it's basically a, a toperized garden, obviously very fine cut, and it's winning such accolades now. Accolades, you know, to put it in comparison to to Kew Gardens, so it's mm-hmm. done really well. And it's one of the, it just joins uh, seven other gardens across the country to, to achieve this high standard of accreditation, uh, including Eden Project. And okay. the National Botanic Gardens of Wales. So well done to the to the team there, and uh, it does look very nice from the from the pictures. And yeah, it's one you might want to put on your list if you're in that part of the country. Yeah, if you're going down south, go mm. and have a look at it. Yeah, very interesting. Good, yeah. Good and uh, <laughs> the story. This is in Garden News as well. So we love a bit of market research, don't we? Yep. And it's what we do with our sheds. And every you know every time with these come out, you think. What's going to be new? Well, this one I think is actually um, uh, this is from uh, Forest Garden Buildings, which of course are quite yeah. well known in the, the gardening trade, and uh, they basically said that twenty eight percent of the highest percentages use their sheds as chill out zones or chill out spaces. Okay, whatever that means. Eighteen uh, percent use them to create a dining area, which I thought was a bit random. It's a bit of a yeah. yeah. Well, I, I know in. The COVID times, mm. there were restaurants that had obviously had to shut and due to social distancing when they're yes. reopening. Yeah. Um, one of the things I saw on, I think it was on the South Bank or somewhere along the Thames where they'd put 20 or so garden sheds, sort of really small six by four <laughs> sheds with a table inside well, just that. so you could have a separate dining area and right. space yourself but at the end of the yeah, day if fine, you've got yeah. a reasonable size one and yeah. yeah why not why not so yes indeed makes a bit of a quirky yeah. dining room doesn't yeah, it it does indeed uh, and the other the others were used for which i was quite interested in a cinema 15 <laughs> percent you need quite a big shed for a cinema i would say unless you, yeah. yeah and but then if you've got a projector why not yes good indeed good, yeah yeah that's use. it yeah that's good and uh, the, the final uh 10 was as an art studio which you see, to me, I thought that would be higher because I thought, you know, arts mm. and crafts and things, you know, you you put your paints, your easels there and you... But you, then sheds don't 
generally have many windows. Do no, they? so, so maybe this it's a yeah. bit dark. And yeah, they need to. Yeah, I suppose if we're defining a shed as a door and a window, then yeah, it's going to be a bit limited as well. But, uh, but yeah, probably um, make a great cinema. That's it a good is, idea. Yeah. And oh, just factually to get this in context, uh, from the over sixty fives were questions. Thirty nine percent. Thirty nine percent said they use their shed once or more every day. Well, there you go. Wow. I wonder if they had kettles and other uh, other other chill out chill out space. Yeah, I, yes. I could see why you might want to go and yeah, hey, just go down the shed, darling. I, I'll be back in an hour. Yeah, <laughs> and, and the last fact: uh, intriguingly, 118 people in the survey admitted having spent a night in a shed. Well, really? Yes. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. I suppose if you'd locked yourself out after yes, or going to the pub and you're <laughs> yes, <laughs> not yeah. sure what to do, you don't want to wake the wife up, <laughs> just go and sleep in the shed. They used to call it in the doghouse, didn't they? Maybe mm. you should call it in the shed now. <laughs> Brilliant. That's great. Thanks, Chris. And um, another sensory garden. We've had a few sensory gardens over the last uh, year or so, haven't we, cropping up? But this, yeah. is, um, this is the first sensory garden for pets. Right. So okay. yeah, um, it's the Cinnamon Project who are based down in um, I think down in Cornwall. Oh, where are they based? Yeah, down down that part of the world. Um, down in Cornwall. Cornwall, yeah. Yep. And they've basically came up with the idea that yeah, well, just like us humans, we obviously are attracted to sight, sound, and smell, and uh, and all those things. So why not okay. provide those conditions for for animals, or to give people the impression that these are important qualities you put into your own garden. Well, you think catmint? Yeah. What happens in your garden when you plant that? Well, you attract everybody. Tom, Dick, and Harry. Yeah, yeah. Nice sunny day, and there's yeah. sunbathing rolling around they in did. it, having a whale of a time. Yes. So, yeah. yeah, I could understand that being quite a yeah nice sort of therapeutic space for yeah. The pets. That's yeah, cool. I mean, it, it sort of works, but I think it basically it's a, a realization of you know how important a garden space is to your animals, and making probably sure that you're not planting plants which are potentially toxic to them as well. So it's the whole mm. making sure that you're garden is is pet friendly which is probably a good message but i think the fact they've just pushed the sensory side of it is probably um i don't think yeah there's there's probably work to do on that from the the, the information from the from the magazine that it was in but mm. um yeah interesting yes yeah, certainly but uh yeah good good look to the the cinnamon trust for giving it a go and um as if we didn't know, another bit of study from the uh, University of Sheffield. So again, this is about growing healthier and obviously the fact that homegrown food provides better nutrition and obviously for a better diet. And they're wanting for people to take part. So okay. um, I will put the link on the show notes. But uh, basically they want to know sort of what sort of things we're growing um, and asking a few questions to find out... Uh, if it's improving our our well-being and um yeah they're looking at the whole aspects of uh, they're asking for around uh, 200 volunteer gardeners in england to help to record what they grew for consumption and then obviously showed what what sort of the methods of the, the five a day they were growing too so yeah a little bit more involved but if you want to take part then it might be worth uh, venturing to their website to uh, to get involved and they um the urban harvest runs through to the December the thirty first, so to the end of the year. So you have plenty of time to to get okay, involved. Okay, so you yeah. can get in touch yeah. with them and yeah. um, put your name forward. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, to to get involved on that as well. And then keeping uh, the the final sort of story for this month, Peter is um, it's an interesting one. So basically, mm, I was 
Um, I mean, you hear of sort of how long the seeds live, mm. and then you read a story like this, and you yeah. think, wow, yeah, the seeds really are tough. They yeah. know how to look after themselves. And, and the they? fact that this, this, this young gentleman, 14-year-old, um, found the, this what he thought was a pebble on the, the South Wales beach, mm. which wasn't a pebble, it was actually a seed uh, from a, a rather tropical a plant. Real? Yeah, it's a, yeah. a vine. A vine. A sort of bean. bean. It, it looked like a bean. That's it. To hit yeah. it, to yeah. hit it. And yeah. they worked out, actually, yeah. no, it's a, a, a plant seed, and yeah. they planted it. And, yeah. um, and it was just one seed, and, and it germinated. I mean, again, what's the chances, what's the look of that as a yeah. as a gardener? You know, you might have ten seeds, and none of them germinate. So, obviously, the, it had obviously the right sort of conditions in the seed to break down the seed coating. And yep. obviously it was treated well. But and they so named it Cliff. Cliff. That, it Cliff. Cliff the Climber. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or the Vine. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, the article, again, which is in Garden News, they, they show um, the, it's the, the Eden uh, Project's former head of living landscapes, uh, uh, yeah, Robin Locke, with the actual seed pod, which obviously this plant would produce. It's incredible. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean be- yeah. I, I've seen beans that are sort of 30, 40 centimetres long. But this but one looks like sort of metre or metre, so long, yes, doesn't it? Yes, it looks incredible. Oh, sorry, yeah. no, two metres long two metres, they can yeah, get the, up to with the, a width of 12 centimetres. So yeah, that's, they are enormous. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the camera angle, isn't it, on the photo there? Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's just incredible. So, uh, well... Um, you just think, how long would it take for a... Little seed to float across from the Caribbean across indeed. to the UK. Indeed, indeed, that's that. So, um, so, of salt water so Cliff yeah. is going to end up in the the rainforest biome at, uh, at the Eden Project to allow it to to grow on and to obviously produce plenty of beans in the future. Mm, yeah, very interesting. Which is good. Yeah. So, uh, so when you when you're doing when you're doing a little bit of uh, uh, beach combing, yeah, <laughs> look out for some seeds maybe. Or Brilliant. maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I guess you're going to have to have quite a big um, greenhouse or oh yes, I think Eden, yeah. a, a spare Eden project greenhouse. Yeah, a little put, bio, which, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which of course we're, we're getting one up up north, aren't we? Up in uh, Morecambe. Yes, yes, maybe, yeah. Yeah. maybe they could have sent it up there, and uh, maybe it could have yeah. been the first plant in the yes Morecambe yeah. uh, biomes. Biomes, yeah. yeah. Well, that rounds up what we found in the news that we mm-hmm. think you might be interested in yes. and brings us on to that lovely <sighs> part. <laughs> Sorry, Jules. Peter. Yeah. It's well, I, I know it's, leaves have already started falling, mm. sweeping up leaves and getting the yes. vacuum cleaner out. It, yeah, it's, leaf blower and mulcher and yes, mm, yeah, it has but, to be done. Um, my plan is, um, well, I've... As you know, as you may remember, I started my first compost heap Mm -hmm. this year and it's totally full, so I've got to expand it now and put another couple of pallets around it and grow it. And yeah, plan is to put all the leaf mould in there along with um, some of my uh, blackberries that Mm -hmm. I'm chopping back because they've become a little bit overgrown on the allotment. Right, um, yeah. I don't want to cause too much problems. (laughs) (laughs) From your (laughs) neighbours. Yes, that's it. Yes. What other things should we be doing? Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, clearing leaves is is highlighted. I mean, I think it's it's quite a therapeutic thing to do, but it's a matter of keeping on top of it as well, isn't it? And Mm. certainly I noticed in my own garden now that certain areas and small plants get covered. And, of course, if they're then devoid of light for a week or two, they start to yellow. So 
Maybe that. Uh, yeah, a good old turn of the compost heap. Um, and also, really, a, a little bit of weeding um, okay. needs to be done. I mean, it's yeah, at this time of the year, we try to keep everything, uh, you know, top and tailed to make sure it's yeah, it's down there. But if you can do some weeding now, it will obviously save a little bit of work later on. So go along with the, the hoe on a nice sunny day and mm-hmm. obviously to detach the, the roots there if you can. Um, you know, obviously digging them out rather than pulling them out because obviously you're going to remove more of the roots. The other job is if you haven't already done it, your greenhouse, make sure you give that a clean now. Um, it's on my, yeah, my, my job to do. You pulled all your tomatoes out yeah, and um, yeah. it finished growing in there. It's a good yeah. time to... Most give it a pressure wash down and that's it yeah and of course leaves falling on the top of your, your glass as well so you need to be yeah that's why I tend to get the pressure washer and yeah, every every sort of two or three weeks of pressure washer just to, to keep the leaves off and of course they, they block the guttering as well so yep. you need to be thinking on that as well and also yeah do a little bit of sterilisation if you've moved everything out and you're going to think about moving your, your more tender plants in as we get into colder nights so which you need to be thinking about certainly the first half of, of October yeah I suppose yeah get, get in now mm. Buy your fleece and what mm, have you because yep. you can always guarantee as soon as frosts are forecast, we all sell out of it. We do. Um, yep. Beat the rush and <laughs> get <laughs> your fleece <laughs> now. Yeah. Um, the other thing, of course, is as it's becoming available in the garden centre now, get some garlic in. Um, it's still a bit of time. Yeah, it's yep. good. Uh, either in a raised bed, you don't, yeah, as long as the soil again is, is nice and clear, uh, try and get those in. Um, you, you want to be planting them about 15 centimetres, six inches apart in rows, 30 centimetres a foot apart. So, they, you know, quite high density, but you're going to have plenty of, uh, of production from those next year. And uh, as we mentioned about, you know, clearing out your greenhouse cro- crops, that's important. If you've got any signs of disease on any of the plants, don't put those in the compost heap. Best to incinerate or, shall we say, dispose of. Yeah, uh, good point. Yeah, because yeah, obviously you've got uh, any mildews or... Uh, well, any rust on any of you who plants, you don't want to be doing that as well. I suppose it's a good opportunity as well. We, we're thinking about containers as well. Uh, I notice we're getting some nice uh, stocks in now and some lovely, obviously, winter flowering pansies. We're well into mm. that season. Uh, wallflowers are, are around too. So, yeah, um, there comes a point when you have to start taking up your, your containers and saying that's it for this season. But before you do that, if you've got long-term plants, you can give them a little bit of a home. So if you've got you know, geraniums, pelagoniums, and fuchsias, and a yeah, few yeah, things. slightly f- f- sort of frost-tender yeah. plants. Bring yeah. them in. Bring them in if you've got some space. Yeah, that would be good. And then obviously uh, revamp the soil if you've got. Yeah, we talk about compost now. It's probably worth putting some fresh compost in if you're going to put some nice new crops of of plants in there. And of course, you're going to be planting bulbs. Then it makes a lot of sense to to do a bit of lasagna planting. So those you know yep. those tiered plantings which we we enjoy doing and uh, obviously enjo- ensures the display lasts that much longer. Um, yeah, because mm. obviously we've had the bulbs in now for a good few weeks. Mm, yeah, I mean, I'm guessing is October the Prime month for bulb planting, and we certainly still got lots of stocks. Mm -hmm. So there's Mm. a good variety, hopefully here and in your local garden centres that you can get. So yeah, get out there with the 
trowel and dig mm. a few more in. Yeah, so indeed. And and certainly with, uh, I mean, I would probably be tempted to wait, unless you're doing lasagna planting, you're planting your tulips, you know, in the lower part of the display. I'd probably hold off planting your tulips, but not to say not buy them now, because obviously certain varieties run out uh, in November, so next month. But certainly your daffodils, your crocus, uh, your alliums, get those in sooner rather than later uh, to give them the best possible start. And, uh, well, it, it, it fixes your mind that you then can do a bit of top planting on the top, which then can involve the the, the, van, the the hardy pansies and violas to to finish that display up as well mm. um i suppose yeah ty- just general tidying isn't it it's um you know we're talking about perennials looking good but obviously a lot of them are starting to look a little bit tatty so certainly at the garden center here we tend to we tend to wait quite late in the season before we cut things back um, if they've got seed heads on, I would leave them personally for the for the birds and the yep. insects. But uh, other other times, you might want to give them a good tidy. If it's new plants you've put in, perennials, young plants, make sure you put a label where you've planted them, mm. because you might cut them right back and then, of course, forget where you, <laughs> you planted them and uh, oik them out at uh, an opportune time. So yeah, that would be would be good uh, too. Yeah, because I know the tulips I planted. Um Last year, um, mm. I didn't. I, I, I was thinking after they all died back, I need to really put some more in. That's not quite enough to make mm. the display up. Mm. But I forgot to put some sticks in where they were, so ah, I, I'm right. gonna have to wait another year before I can <laughs> bolt them up. But <laughs> this year, mm-hmm. when they pop up, I'm gonna mark them with yeah. some little sticks, and then that, that way I'll know where good, they are. Good plan. <laughs> so yeah. Next year, I can put some yeah. more in. If you're looking for a bit of inspiration on bulbs, I noticed our range of Capitan bulbs this year. They do yep. some really nice packs of uh, Nature Loves range. So you buy 30 bulbs in a pack mm-hmm. and they're colour themed or colour coordinated so they oh, flower at the time. But the, the images on the bag are really good. Certainly it's the best I've seen for a long time. Mm. Um, so you pick those up. They're, they're quite, quite a substantial amount of bulbs so you could create two really nice containers from that Thursday, I would say, or a big splash of colour in a in a border. So oh, go and look, look up for those because yeah. I need some new bulbs to go around down the side of my fence. Mm. So that might, that look, might do might the job. Do well. Yeah, obviously we'll hyacinths. We've still got a bit of time if you've not planted your Christmas hyacinths. Oh yeah, good point. Uh, you need to do it. This and what week. about am- amaryllis? Can yep. we still get away with planting them? Oh as well? yeah, you've got you've got plenty of time. Really, all through October into early part of November. Granted, okay. it depends uh, it depends on the variety when they come into flower. But you should start to get some flower for Christmas. And actually, when amaryllis flower, it's nice that they flower after Christmas. It's something to look forward to, isn't it? After mm. after the Christmas trees taken down and the the tinsel, it's something nice to to look forward to. So actually, staggering amaryllis plantings. If you're going to buy a few, uh, wait two or three weeks in between to. to to give you that sort of continuity of of colour, which would be quite quite good to, to do. Mm. Um, but as I, the always tip I give with hyacinths, Peter, is plant them up in individual pots so you can gauge how they grow. If you're going to plant them together in a bowl, if you buy a bowl and put five hyacinths in, you'll probably find two or three flower. And, and the other two or two or three don't. So yeah, if you grow them in pots, you can get them to the same stage and then, and then put them yeah, all together there. at the last minute. Yeah, and yeah. It's dress them up and off they that's go. That's it. And put a nice primrose or a little cyclamen in the middle to make it a really nice display. And that gives you a little bit more interest from that. Uh, from that's that a good idea. Well. Yeah, it's something I, I would do. And you often see, you know, the florists tend to do it, and, and I think we do get those in these days as a as a yeah. as a as an idea. So hmm. yeah, plenty to be getting on with this month, um, even though it is. October. 
That's it. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for that, Chris. Pleasure. And I suppose a, a little reminder to our um, Diggit friends to uh, obviously tell their friends and to, to subscribe. Mm. Yes, um, by please, all means, yeah. please do. Share, yeah. the, uh, yeah. share the fact that we do this podcast with yeah. your friends. And Indeed. Something that we've learnt is a lot of people who are interested in gardening of a more senior generation uh, mm. often don't know how to get a podcast. podcast on their phone and there's so many different podcasts out yeah. there it's such a wonderful mm. sort of resource fantastic so yeah. if you do like our show by all means when you're telling your friends about us show them as well how to yeah, get that it would be, that would be good yes that's true and um let's maybe make a quick plug for our next guest um that's true yeah, yes yes so uh we chatted to the legend adrian bloom mm. Um, Amazing gardener and or garden designer, should I say? Mm, Nurseryman, plant, plantsman. Yeah, he's, he's everything. It's and a wealth of knowledge. I mean, the, the way the names just roll off his tongue is yeah, incredible. It's and yeah. yeah, certainly looking at the yeah. imagery of his garden, it's amazing. Mm. So definitely worth a listen if you want some inspiration. Um, yeah, and he's going to be chatting about his his book, uh, Foggy Bottom: A Garden to Share. So. Uh, yeah, mm. please, please come and have a listen. I'm Tune done. in. Tune in, <laughs> indeed. Yeah. Brilliant. Great stuff. Well, thanks, Peter. Thanks, Chris. Today's show was brought to you by Buckingham Garden Centre and Nurseries. The show was hosted by Chris Day and Peter Brown. The show was produced by Peter Brown. And our thanks to Chilton Music Therapy for providing the music. Thanks for listening. At Chilton Music Therapy, we want everyone to know the difference that music can make in their lives. From parents and their premature babies in hospital to grandparents with dementia. We provide music therapy and community music services to people of all ages and needs across England. We work both digitally and in person in people's homes, care homes, schools, hospitals and hospices. Find out more at chilternmusictherapy.co.uk.